Welcome to Dream Big with Big Dreamers, conversations for career growth, inspiration, and insight, hosted by Donna Sardula and yours truly, Scott Jones. Here are the inspiring stories that shape the careers of top executives, entrepreneurs, and professionals. These empowering discussions offer guidance and advice as you advance in your career. It's time to dream big. Donna, how are you? It's good to see you. Hey, it's it's great to see you too, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm ready to dream big with some tr- big dreamers. Well, we, we've we've got an interesting big dreamer today, and she she gave me a quote, and I thought it was a really interesting quote. Uh, it's risk more than others think is safe, care more than others think is wise, dream more than others think is practical, expect more than others think is possible. I like that. I like that all. But the risk thing, what if the others you're hanging out with are like special forces? (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. I mean, isn't that all relative to like who's around you, right? If you've got relatively risk averse people around you, I think that's a good, that's a good, you know, what if you've got like- It matches it up quite a bit. You're like, what if you got acrobats (laughs) or flame eaters, you know? But you know what? But Scott, like when I look back at my life, and I think of when I really have attained success and I've you know, like I've actually got a little bit more money in my pockets because of risk. It's because of risk. I mean, what do, you, do you think the same for yourself? Yeah. And most people, I mean, it's interesting because they do surveys like of people that they've done like surveys of people that are like in decline and dying on deathbeds and things like this. And nobody says they wish they would have risked less, right? All of them say yeah. they wish. But yeah. let me tell you something that's interesting. If a risk of yours is and a dream is to make a lot of money to get a great sports car, like a Porsche or a Ferrari, I would say don't have that dream or take that risk in France because they're going to put a $59,000 gas guzzling tax on <laughs> Porsches and Ferraris. So you might lose all the money that you risked, you know, that your risk rewarded you. Um, $59,000. That's like more than the car. Is it? I mean, they, uh, they, they have some car. cars that are like, you know, more than most houses. Can you imagine if you had to pay $59,000 in taxes on a car? <sighs> you know what? If, if I could afford a car that, you know, had that many taxes, be you're probably change. not worried about it. It's you're true change. Not, yeah, you're probably not worried. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So can you tell us a little something about our guest and then yes. welcome her? Yeah, we've got we've got Carol Schmeckel with us today. She's a servant leader with over 35 years of healthcare experience in a variety of roles and settings. She's a nurse, a healthcare leader, teacher, consultant, an executive coach. She's currently the principal of Schmeckel Coaching and Consulting. That's an executive coaching and healthcare consulting company, and it's dedicated to advancing healthcare professionals into extraordinarily successful, high-performing leaders. She's a guide working with others to discover their unique paths and perspectives to find insights and answers. She values honesty, integrity, discovery, experiences, growth, and truth. So, Carol, welcome so much to our our podcast. And I've, I've got to ask you, you were a nurse you are now an executive coach. Was that a risk or a natural progression? I think it was a little of both. Um, during my um, career as a nurse, um, obviously started out um, doing some coaching of patients to change behavior. And then as I moved into leadership, worked with um, current leaders and up and coming leaders, um, coaching them to be able to build um, different skill sets to be highly successful. Uh, I think the, the big risk was when I started my own company. Um, so I had no safety net. 
Um, but I, I just really believe that it was the right direction to go and had faith that um, I would get the work I needed to be able to support me and my family. But you've been, have you been doing the coaching alongside of work or is, have you just been solely concentrated on the, on the executive coaching? Um, well, when I was employed by health systems, I was doing both and I had, um, some, uh, clients that I had worked with at previous organizations that would continue to stay connected with me. Um, and I would coach them as they were having challenges or considering transitions. Um, but I've been, uh, doing solely executive coaching, um, more focused since the first of the year. Um, but I've been doing that along with consulting for the last, um, better part of 20 years. Yeah. It's a long time. It is a long time. I'm curious in the healthcare system today, if you have access good insurance and access to good facilities. People argue, you know, we've got the, some of the, be- the best care in the world. And yet systemically, we don't have the best care in the world, right? Like most industrialized nations, overall systemically, a lot of analysts seem to, to know, do better than us, right? So, so if, if you have good insurance here and you're in a certain income bracket or you're on something like um, Medicaid or something, it, you tend to do well. But then we have this big group of people that seem to not get overall the kind of care that they get in other Western industrialized nations. Is, is that, do you find that true? And if so, like what, what are some of the causes from that? Well, I think that does happen sometimes. And I think some of the challenges is that our system is so complex and we're a system that is willing to provide all care to everyone where some of those other countries that you refer to, they make tough decisions about who's going to get what service. Um, they sometimes have to wait to get that service um, we're here, we're used to, you know, rolling up to the hospital and whatever we think we need is what we think we should get. Um, and that makes things a little bit more challenging. Um, and when you have something like the current pandemic, um, systems that already are strained a bit are just pushed to the max. Um, and that makes things even more challenging um, to, to be, really be able to care for all patients that present. When 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 does a person come to you? Like when does a person say, "I need an executive coach," or does someone say, "I you need an executive coach"? Is it is it like during these these like you said like during these hard times when these hard decisions need to be made? Like when when does this when does that happen? Well, there's a few ways that um, someone can get an executive coach. In some organizations, um, it might be the person they report to that decides they need it. Maybe a health system that um, it's part of their culture. And as you move into an executive role and you're transitioning, you're assigned an executive coach. And then there are people who outside of their organizations will reach out to me when they're having challenging um, issues like, you know, currently what's going on um, to really have someone else that is um, outside the organization that they can really think things through with and can kind of guide them along the way. As an executive coach, I don't tell people what to do, but I help them figure out what's the best solution for them. Um, And sometimes it just takes facilitating, asking the right questions to get people um, moving in the right direction. But I think that where it starts is you have to have an agreement with what, what is the overall goal of the executive coaching. And then each session, have an agreement about what is it that is going to be the goal for this session? What would that look like? What difference would that make for you? And, um, you know, what would the um, metrics be to evaluate if, in fact, you've achieved that? So it's um, it's a pretty robust um, process. Um, I don't 
work with folks who are struggling in terms of their own performance. I only work with those high performers to help them move to the next level um, because I think that um, that's a better situation to be in um, to see people grow and um, advance further, you know, if that's what they choose to do. Or it may be that they just want to learn how to better interact with their teams and develop those folks to a higher level. What does a what like what does a what does a, a client look like? Like what is a what does an ideal client look like to you? Well, an ideal client um, either is uh, an executive in an organization, so someone who's in that um, C-suite. It also could be someone who is a high performer, high potential, and I work with those folks to get them ready to move to the next level. So that could be at the manager level, moving to director, director moving to executive. Um, and um, those high potential, high performers, those are the typical people that um, the executive is going to identify, have me come in and do an evaluation. And then um, together we'll talk about whether or not um, I think they have the potential and what it's going to take to work with them to get them ready for that next position. Scott, I think you need an executive coach. I need it. I definitely need it. I, I, I could use it. A big I'm hand. available. I'll, I'll tell you that it's interesting that you're talking about working with the higher performance people, right? Because, you know, there's an old adage in baseball, right? That which which person do you want, if player you want to work with, they both get to first base at about the same speed. One's got perfect form. One's got bad form. So the idea is you want the person with the bad form, right? Because if they're if they're at the same speed as the person with good form, if you correct their form, they're going to be even faster. I mean, do you find something like that true in, in coaching? Yes, I think so. I think if someone, um, had, that would be someone that I would um, identify as a high potential. They have the potential, but they need to build the skills, refine the skills. And um, those folks, um, I think, are a lot of fun to work with because you really see them grow. Um, folks who are already performing at that level, yeah, they can improve, but um, you don't see the um, marked improvement that you will with someone who really needs um, a little guidance to kind of build the skills, whether it's um, you know understanding the business they're going to manage, whether it's how they interact with people, the politics, um, you know those kinds of things. Um, and it's also sometimes working with them to get those um, self-defeating um, thoughts that they have out of their heads and replace them with um, more positive thoughts about their performance and their ability to move forward. What are some of the self-defeating thoughts and, and emotional myths that you most often come across? Well, I think um, frequently people you know, don't think they're good enough to advance, um, don't think they're as highly skilled as someone else they see in the organization. Um, sometimes, uh, especially women have gotten the message that, um, you know, they are not in a position to keep moving all the way to the top. And, um, so, you know, you have to help them with, um, looking at what is your skill set? What is the skill set required for the position? Um, how do you get that skill set? Um, and, you know, help them not be held back by what they perceive to be limitations when in fact the reality is they're, they're in their head, but they're really not there in the real world. I think that's 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 not just executives. I think that's everybody, right? I mean, I think imposter syndrome is like right across the board. Everyone feels that. I would agree with you. Definitely. Yeah. It's not just executives. It is across the board. There's a story about the first guy. I can't forget. 
remember his name now, but the first guy who broke like the four minute mile, he was African. I think he was from Kenya or something. And they asked, how is this possible? And somebody said, easily, he didn't have a European coach. So, <laughs> so all the European coaches just thought it was impossible, right? Yes. And so his coach wasn't European, so they didn't have the same emotional myths and limitations. So all, all of a sudden things are, were, were, were blown up, right? Uh, the, the, the perceived limitations versus actual limitations wall was sort, sort of torn down. Right, right. That's exactly what you need to do is to help people. Um, you know, as Donna quoted the quote that I really like, um, to get people to go beyond where they think is even possible for them. And um, and it really is getting them to get that mindset around, I can achieve anything I want so long as I, you know, put in the hard work, I do what's expected, um, I continue to grow, I bring other people along. Um, so long as you can get folks thinking along that line, um, they can be highly successful. That, it reminds me of, I, I don't remember who said it. it. It was like some sort of special ops guy who said, you know, when you're, when you're running and you're working and, and you think you're at 100%, you still have 40% more to go. It's like you have to expand beyond that. But how, like without, I guess you can't do that without a coach. You almost need someone to say, you haven't hit that wall. There's still 40% more that you can achieve. Right. And I think you, you know, part of the work I do is helping people to see that that drive can't be all consuming, that you have to um, have some uh, ability to balance, um, to provide care for yourself. Um, a lot of times leaders um, put themselves not even on the list in terms of taking care, um, working, you know, in terms of how do I balance my professional career and everything I do outside. So they, you know, decide, no, nope, I can't go to the gym today. I have to be there earlier. I can't meditate today because I can't take 10 minutes. And really getting people to look at how do you put all those pieces together so you're a well-rounded person, not somebody who's on overdrive. Um, and the folks around you look at you and their perception is no one can um, stay up with that person, let alone achieve what they have. Do you, you know, how, do you have someone that you turn to? I mean, do you have a mentor yourself, Carol? Um, I've had a lot of coaches over the years. Um, one of the, although I focus on healthcare, I have a um, special um, niche for nursing leaders because historically they have not had access to executive coaches the way that other leaders have. And um, as I was advancing through my career, I had very few nursing leaders. They were mostly physicians who were coaches and mentors to me. Um, I do have a personal coach. He um, has um, a pretty diverse background. Um, healthcare is um, certainly part of his background. And um, he is very good at getting me to see um, where I can go next, getting me to see um, where I might be um, you know, pushing too hard or um, not uh, keeping what I say are my priorities um, straight. And so um, he's a, a great person to work. I think that um, you would find that many executive coaches, um, the ones that are highly successful, have their own coach also. Um, and even um, coaches will sometimes have um, peer coaches that they'll coach with, you know, once a month or every couple of weeks so that, you know, we can kind of stay grounded on and on track also. So, yeah, everybody needs help. Um, it's not unique to the role you're in. Um, and as you, Scott, made a reference earlier, it is similar in terms of a parallel to coaches in sports. And I think that people who played sports 
better understand how, as a professional, you need a coach versus those that didn't sometimes see it as a negative when they're, you know, person they report to might suggest that they have a coach, like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Um, you know, am I doing something wrong where there's not an athlete um, alive who has ever played amateur or professional who would think their coach focusing on them and helping them build skills is a negative thing. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, Michael Michael Jordan, with all of his natural talent, if, if he didn't go to UNC and play for Dean Smith, probably would have never been Michael Jordan. You're right. You're right. And, you know, Tom Brady's another example. Um, he was talented, more talented than, you know, his brother. But had he not gone to Michigan and had Bo Schembechler, he probably wouldn't be as good and wouldn't still be playing um, as long as he has been. You're right. People need those kind of folks because your coaches will stretch you both in sports and professionally, will really stretch you beyond where you would, you know, push yourself because most of us need someone to push and prod us out of our comfort zone. Um, and that's what a coach um, can do. And, and you know, sometimes the relationship um, isn't all smooth sailing because as people are getting stretched out of that comfort zone, um, they may not be real happy with you. I mean, I can tell you the coach I work with, there are days when I get off the call and I think, why do we even bother to talk to him? Because he's really pushing me where I'm, you know, not real comfortable. But um, I then can step back and realize that that is how I'm going to continue to grow. We're going to take a brief break here to hear a word from our sponsor. It's never too early to create your personal brand. ReadySetU.com helps students and young professionals build their brand as they embark on their careers. They develop compelling customized resumes and LinkedIn profiles that will clearly identify who you are, what you have to offer, and what sets you apart. Employers may spend as little as 40 seconds looking at a resume or LinkedIn profile. So yours needs to stand out. Their writers will partner with you throughout the resume and LinkedIn profile process at Ready, Set, You. We want to help you prepare to launch your career successfully and enter the job search with confidence. It's not just about finding a job. It's much more. It's about finding the right position for you to begin launch your career. Their mission is simple. Help, encourage, inspire. They create your brand. You make the impact. Ready, set, you. Carol, I'm interested in your perspective on the pandemic right now because numbers in places like, I mean, our numbers nationally on the rise still. uh, Canada's numbers are rapidly increasing on COVID as is England and a lot of places all over Europe. And you know, I was talking to a Canadian friend the other day. I was asking him what is the source of of the the increased infections, and he said apparently it's it's just people not taking precautions. That largely the the cases right now are largely people under forty uh, in Canada, and that it seems it's not like it, it's not attributable necessarily to a more sophisticated mutation in the virus that's making it more contagious or something. That by and large they think it's just it's just a failure of kind of compliance we're in this together i mean is that is that it it seems like this is an interesting pandemic because even though this thing is contagious and sometimes can be deadly it doesn't seem like it's that complex to get under control if everybody would just think like we're in it together and be more careful we 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 we'd probably get this thing under control but i mean what what, is there a failure of group imagination that, that you think is 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 keeping us from getting this from dealing with this in ways that could really be saving more lives 
Well, I think that a lot of people don't really think it's real, which is hard to believe when we've had over 210,000 souls here in the United States who um, aren't with us anymore. And, um, you know, as Americans, we are so um, focused on our individual liberties. So to have folks, you know, tell you to wear a mask, keep your distance, wash your hands, um, a lot of people are pushing back against that. And, you know, we are seeing some increases, especially here in the fall, since colleges have gone back and, you know, folks did in person. Now they've had to drop back to um, remote learning, um, both at the college level and really every level in terms of school. And I think that um, that's part of the issue. If we would have, um, first of all, known in January um, that this was a potential uh, because we already knew, well, our government already knew that there was a um, it, some issues over in China. If we would have gotten the information earlier, if people would have listened to the scientists and followed what the recommendations were, um, we certainly would have knocked this down um, much better than we are now. And, um, you know, I, I struggle when I um, go outside my own home, which I've been limiting it, um, which... Um, I'm really not okay with because you're very isolated um, at people who, you know, won't wear their mask, won't, you know, give me space. Um, and so um, it's um, very frustrating. And people who have spoken up have, you know, had people hit them and say things that aren't very nice to them. And it's really unfortunate that somebody like um, Dr. Fauci, who clearly is our number one expert in this country, is not listened to and is marginalized. And, um, and himself is getting death threats. Um, and, you know, our governors who have done the right thing also um, are getting um, death threats. Um, you know, the story from yesterday coming, you know, having been born and raised in Michigan, I live in Atlanta now, that the governor there, there was a plot to, you know, kidnap and kill her and, you know, put bombs in the um, state building. It really seems like it is getting out of control instead of people just stepping back, taking a deep breath and doing the right thing. Um, you know, we're, we're told in other parts of our um, lives to do things. Um, those of us that are a little older, um, remember when we were told we had to wear seatbelts. People were not happy about having to wear seatbelts, but it saves lives. And um, in my mind, this is a similar thing, and I'm not sure what the solution is to really get people um, to follow the experts and the recommendations um, because we're going to lose more people in the process. And we're going to overload our hospitals um, and put our healthcare workers at great risk also. You were, you were a, I mean, you started your career as a nurse. Yes. You, do you miss it, especially now? Do you kind of wish that you could go back or are you kind of happy that <laughs> you're not there right now? Well, I will tell you at the beginning of this, I was really conflicted. Um, because I felt like, um, you know, everyone was being called to, you know, step up and help. Um, and it's been um, a while since I've been at the bedside. Um, but then there was another part of me, because in my home, I have a husband who is at high risk because of some uh, cardiac condition he has that if I were working, I'd have to find someplace else to live so I wouldn't expose him. So it really was a struggle um, at first. And then I had to really kind of process through the fact that, um, you know, I could do my part by being a role model in my community, educating people, um, you know, that I would see um, and, you know, keeping my family safe. 
and, um, and making sure that, um, you know, I have adult children, um, that they were doing the right things and understood why it was important at the places um, that they work and um, that I could contribute that way. Um, and I think, you're, I think you're also contributing as, as an executive coach to these, these nursing leaders as well. I mean, I think, you know, you're probably, you know, giving them a lot of, uh, you know, support and assistance so they can continue to carry out their duties. Right. And it's not just nursing leaders. I have some folks that I'm coaching that are physician leaders that, you know, have had to work with their peers um, as the nursing leaders have to say we have to do things a little differently, which has impacted people's schedules, um, their, you know, home lives. And, um, and those are not easy conversations to have either. When you have folks who, you know, might have worked in a unit um, and now we're reassigned to another unit, or you have people who have worked Monday through Friday, and you're now saying, hey, you're going to have to come in Saturday and Sunday because we're going to have patients present then. Um, this has had huge impact on their personal life. And I think the risk is without having a coach who can help you maneuver through those challenging times, I think we have the potential that we will see much more compassion fatigue and burnout in our physicians and nurse leaders as well as those at the bedside um, because they are just stretched way too thin um, and are exhausted. You've, you've said that your own sense of spirituality informs your work. Your, your own spiritual journey has informed that. How does that play into coaching? Because you're in a pretty diverse uh, country where people come from all sorts of religious backgrounds and no religious backgrounds. I mean, how do you, how do you bring spirituality in into in a way that informs your work, but but can accommodate people that have come from different spiritual backgrounds. Well, my spiritual um, life impacts my work because I really, you know, have been taught from very young, and then went to um, Catholic schooling as well as Lutheran schooling, and learned that we really have to accept everyone. I mean, we're, we are all God's children, regardless of the color of our skin, our gender, our um, ethnic background, and we all have a lot more in common than um, in current times people are willing to acknowledge. And so that's really how I approach it, that, you know, I'm here to serve others, um, and that, and by doing the executive coaching, I'm serving those leaders and potential leaders to be the best they can. And, um, and that's really consistent with my values and what, um, spiritually I think is important. Um, and you know, my role isn't to convince people that their way may not be the right way. That is their way. And I have to accept it. Um, and hopefully what they see is the light shining through me as I'm working with them, because that's really, um, the most I can hope for. I almost, and you, and you said that, you know, when your, your coaching methodology is that as, as a servant leader. And so I almost see that what you just said, imbuing that so completely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I am here to serve others. And that is, you know, whether it was when I was at the bedside as a nurse, um, as a leader in an organization, and now as, you know, an executive coach that my, um, mission in life is to serve others. Um, and, um, and that really guides the way that I work with other people. 
Well, Carol, thanks for spending some time sharing about your own servant leadership model and how that intersects with healthcare and executive coaching. It's been really informative and, and really, I'm really appreciative of it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Dream Big with Big Dreamers. If you like the show, please do us a favor. Go into iTunes and write a review and give us a rating or share it with a friend via social media or email if you think they'd benefit from these conversations. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time. Until then, keep dreaming big.